Hello, everyone, and welcome to Broken Vessels Mended by God, the Exploring the Gospel Bible Study Lesson 2. I'm so glad you're here to learn more about the gospel message in these lessons. In Lesson 1, we looked at the gospel message, God's great story, and our origin story. Now that we are beginning to unpack the gospel message, if you had to explain the five main points of the gospel to someone, what would you say? The Fall Many Christians want to skip over the message of the fall of man when they explain the gospel message. But to gloss over the fall of man is to remove the power of Christ's resurrection from the dead. So in this lesson, we're going to look at the consequences of the fall of man. At the Billy Graham Evangelical Association Call Center, they received many calls from people all over the world asking these questions. Why are things in the world not the way they are supposed to be? What has gone wrong with my life, my health, my relationships, etc.? Who or what should I blame for this mess? People in the world are so lost and confused. In today's lesson, we will discover how God's Word can answer these questions and point people to the only hope for their lives. So welcome. My name is Ruth Douthit, and I started this podcast as a way to share insights from studying the Bible, insights that I've gleaned from being in God's Word, and I want to share what I've learned with others. So what better way to do that than in a podcast? So I am so grateful to God that you're here to listen as we further explore the gospel message. Maybe you're new to the gospel message, or maybe you've known it since childhood. It's always great, though, to have that refresher course. And as I said before, people are lost in the world, and they need this message now more than ever. And this message points us to Jesus. Picture in your mind a beautiful fruit tree, whether it's oranges or lemons, you know, peach tree. Picture the tree on a bright, sunny summer day, filled with fruit, and the sky is blue and the grass is green. Below that tree, picture thousands and thousands of roots dug deep into the earth, into the soil. That's what we're going to look at today as we study the fall of man. We're going to be in Genesis 3, so open your Bibles. And let's read starting at verse 1 through 8. Let's look at verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eyes and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. So we're still in the book of Genesis because that's where the story of the fall of man begins. In the context, we have Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and God had just told them not to touch this particular tree 
in the center of the garden. Well, the serpent saw this as a golden opportunity to tempt the woman. And he tempted her by twisting around God's words. So here we see a procession of events that took place in the Garden of Eden that allowed disobedience to enter the perfect environment that God had created for man and woman. So we read how the serpent approached the woman. Eve saw that the fruit was good for food. The fruit was also good for gaining wisdom. She took it and ate it. She gave to her husband and Adam ate the fruit. So the first sins ever committed in creation uh, weren't murder, rape, or abuse, right? No, the serpent was the most cunning of all creatures and his approach was more subtle than that. In Genesis 2, I'm sorry, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 2, we read, The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. So see, Eve did not understand God's word. She misinterpreted it. She even added to God's word. And her disobedience led to doubting God's word. Do we do that today? Yes. Today we have so many types of artistic medium that we can find it easy to add to God's word, whether in movies or books. And we say we took, quote unquote, creative license with it. We see this in paintings, sculptures, music, videos, films, books, on and on. So why do we, like Eve, feel the need to add to what God has said? I feel it is because we believe in our minds that God's word is not enough. How could we do that? Easy. We fall into that temptation and then we fall into disobedience, just like Eve did. Once the serpent had captured Eve's attention, he began to plant seeds of doubt. He said in Genesis 3 verse 4, You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So Adam's disobedience in taking and eating the fruit led to distrust and doubt against God. Now think about it. Do we ever want to be against God? What a scary thought. Entropy. Entropy entered creation when they sinned against God. In Genesis 3, verse 13, it says, Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So when Adam and Eve sinned, entropy entered that moment, causing everything in the universe to descend into chaos. But this phenomenon also entered man's mind and soul. Seeds of doubt and lies were planted spreading roots of disbelief. The fruit 
of evil and death grew upon the earth. So again, picture that fruit tree filled with abundance of fruit and underneath it, all those roots. That's what you need to understand. When the seeds of doubt and lies are planted, spreading roots of disbelief, the fruit of that evil and death grow upon the earth and in our minds and in our souls. And what was the result of their great disobedience to God? We read in Genesis 4, verse 8. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. So the results or fruit of Adam and Eve's disobedience was that their own son, Cain, rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Jealousy, malice, deception, murder were all the fruits of Adam and Eve's disobedience. And these sins are also the results of our disobedience each day. The Roots of Sin The seeds of disobedience cause roots of sin to take hold. What grows from there only displeases God. It sounds so hopeless, doesn't it? But really, it's not because of Jesus. Why do most Christians want to skip over the message of sin and death when explaining the gospel message to others and only focus on the love of God? When we say John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son. But we never say why God sent his Son. We need to tell others why God sent his Son. And that was to reconcile us to him. Why is it necessary to explain this important point to the people when we're telling them the gospel message? You know, the point about our sinful nature? Because it leads to hope. So remember those key life questions that people ask. Why are things in the world not the way they are supposed to be? What has gone wrong with my life, my health, my relationships, etc.? Who or what should I blame for this mess? How would you answer those questions? One thing we know is that we cannot stop entropy. It is one of the laws of nature that cannot be stopped. We know from our last lesson that the world seeks solutions for problems. But according to the laws of physics, science, feelings and emotions, right? even programs or charity, nothing can stop entropy. Cause and Effect In the Law of Cause and Effect, it states that no effect is greater than its cause. So the universe, which is the effect, had to come from something greater than the universe. The universe consists of space, matter, and time. Genesis tells us God created the universe and everything in it. But Genesis also tells us that the cause, which is God, is definitely greater than the effect. But Genesis also tells us when entropy entered the universe, the fall of man inside the Garden of Eden. Before the fall, no death occurred. So God couldn't have used evolution to create, right? 
Evolution requires death and mutations. So of all the worldviews, which one offers hope the world seeks? Which one offers a solution to entropy? That's right, the biblical worldview. The biblical worldview offers hope for the world, hope that the world so desperately seeks. In Genesis 1, we're told, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. So to mention our sinful nature and how sin caused the decline of creation can cause some people to turn away from God. But if we never mention darkness, the message of light loses its significance, doesn't it? Death through Adam, life through Christ. In Romans 5, Paul wrote, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. Unbelief and sin always lead to death, not just your death, but all death in the world. This is expressed through brokenness broken relationships, mistrust, violence, hatred, injustice, and physical decay. People need to know about sin, the results of sin, and that all of us have sinned. Yes, you and me, all of us have sinned. Now, when we Christians set ourselves apart and act like we don't sin, we deceive ourselves and we deceive the world and that leads to more disobedience because what did Eve say? The serpent deceived me. So John warned about this in the book of 1 John. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. I am a sinner, saved by the grace of God. I wasn't saved by any act of goodness that I did or anything else. I was saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. The world's solution to this decline is evolution. They say everything evolved upward to a better state, but that goes against the law of physics because of entropy. Just ask breeders of animals or breeders of roses, and they'll tell you that mutations actually weaken the breed. With roses, you can only mutate them so far and then it stops. Everything on this planet is limited. Everything mutates into a worsened, weakened state. The world's message is, all people are born basically good. All people have good intentions. It's their environments. That's what destroys their good nature. So if you improve the environment, you solve all the problems in the world. Well, the laws of entropy tell us that is not true. Everything in the universe descends into chaos. God's word remains our standard of truth, absolute truth. And this is why the people of the world need to know this message of hope. The world's message doesn't give us hope. The world's message is hopeless. Paul understood this when he wrote his letter to the early church in Rome. In chapter 6 of Romans, he wrote, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Paul understood that sin in our hearts and our minds as well as in our actions is what leads to death. In Romans 7, he wrote, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful flesh. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. So that's why we cannot blame the devil. We can't say, oh, the devil made me do it. No, we must all take responsibility for our partaking in disobedience. And that is why confession of sin is paramount for cleansing and for forgiveness and reconciliation to God. Paul wrote in Romans 10, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice it doesn't say, if you go to church every Sunday, if you listen to podcasts about Bible verses, if you participate in ministry at church, if you're homeschooled, if you teach God's Word, it doesn't say that. It says, Jesus is Lord. If you confess that with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Paul continued, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So if we fail to mention our sinful natures when explaining the gospel message, we are not being truthful. We are more concerned with how the person feels rather than their true, most pressing need, and that is salvation. And as I said, John understood this when he wrote his letter to the church. In 1 John 1, verse 8, he wrote, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Only the blood of Jesus can cleanse our hearts, minds, souls, and bodies. Why would we purposefully omit this vital point from the gospel message? Martin Luther King Jr. knew this. Malcolm X thought the problem of racism could be solved by violence, vengeance, hatred, and religion. But Martin Luther King Jr. knew it was a heart issue. The hatred of men grew in the heart, and no amendment to the Constitution, no act of Congress could ever change the heart. He understood that only Jesus could change the heart of men. People need to know this message. We need to know that temptation, wrong beliefs, sinful actions, all of those are at work in us to separate us from God and His truth. But once we know this, we must share this message, the whole message. When we spread truth, we sow seeds of hope and the fruit of the Spirit grows. Paul wrote in Romans 15, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you abound in hope, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So picture that tree now, filled with the fruits of the Spirit, your life experiences that you can share with others. And then underneath the earth are roots, roots of believing in God. Joy, peace, abounding in hope, all of these are desperately needed by the world. They are searching and searching everywhere for the fruits of the Spirit. 
But these flow through the roots of believing in God, the God of hope. If people you know are experiencing the fruit of broken relationships or negative thoughts or irrational emotions and behaviors, these are all growing from the roots of wrong beliefs about God, themselves, and God's Word. So their answers to those key life questions are incorrect. Share with them how the Christian answers those questions. Why are things in the world not the way they are supposed to be? Well, sin entered the world. What has gone wrong with my life, my health, my relationships, etc.? Your sin has not been dealt with. Who or what should I blame for this mess? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But here's the hope. Jesus, Jesus, and Jesus. He can make things in the world right again. He can make things in your life right again. And there would be no one to blame anymore because you will not have condemnation anymore when you are in the spirit of Christ. And then tell them of their need of a Savior, Christ the Lord. He is the only source of hope for all things that have gone wrong in the world. No amount of money or accolades or trophies or drugs or alcohol could ever be enough. Jesus is our Savior, and He's the only answer to the broken world. That is our hope. In our next lesson, we will look at the hero of God's story and his act of redemption. So until next time, think about what you learned about God today that maybe comforted you or challenged you, and take it to Him in prayer. Thank you for joining me today, and I look forward to our next lesson. God bless.